Hello, my name is PJ Alex, and with me is HR Paperstacks. We are your hosts for the next arbitrary block of time. Our goal is to entertain, enlighten, and examine all things dope. Each week, we're bringing you breakdowns of the hottest new music, commentary on the newest media from around the web, and the latest news from the world of tech. This is Virtual Dope. I passed on this beat when I first heard it. Now it's murdered like the ink. Our body never rolled a new body. Then you pull up on me, do it fast, make it sloppy. Told her both my pants black. You can still call me Poppy. Ooh, I like that. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode nine of the Virtual Dopeness Podcast. This is an episode that we have waited for a long time. This is an episode that we are excited about because. It is the return of the one, the only. It is the return of HR Paper Sets. Hey, what's going on? Good to be back. Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. And after some uh, technical difficulties we're recording this morning, we are up and running and ready to get into this music. We are cooking with propane. No, No hacks here. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to jump right into it. We have had an amazing summer in music so far. We've had releases from everybody so far, from Drake to Cole to Talib to um, a surprise album from Talib, uh, which I haven't gotten to yet. Meek is out there, but this week we're going to be talking about two albums that one marks the beginning of summer to most people, Dom Kennedy by Dom Kennedy. <laughs> and Miguel Wild Heart, um, which is apparently, according to most people, our last hope and savior of R&B, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Tyrese would have something to say about that, but you know, that's neither here nor there. We did just get a Tyrese album too, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> which is supposed to be his last album, um, which I don't believe. Honestly, Man. don't believe unless that's just gonna make black movies from now on. Exactly, uh, and fast and fast movies <laughs> and fast and furious movies. Yeah, fast and furious, and then he's gonna be the the random black guy in every other movie. <laughs> which Rihanna tried to usurp his his position at one point, which was hilarious <laughs> to me because <laughs> she definitely played his role in uh, Battleship. <laughs> like you get a couple cool lines, you whoop somebody's ass, you shoot somebody, and then you. Move on. <laughs> you don't actually end up in the last action sequence for any reason. <laughs> That's basically Tyrese in every movie. There you go. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Wild Heart. This is a... Uh, depending on where you got it from, 12 to 16 track effort. Um, the last four tracks were the deluxe bonus tracks. Um one of which I just realized was one of the ones I actually liked. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was a lot of expectations around this because uh, he, uh, Miguel actually released an EP of four or five songs, maybe about a month, two months before this. And before the actual release of the album, it was highly anticipated off the success of his first album. Um, Debuted at number two on the billboard 200s. Uh, with selling 41,000 copies in the first week. Now, as we know, we're not going to be seeing really big numbers on first week sales anymore. 
But especially not for R and B albums. Especially not for R and B albums. Uh, <laughs> this was released June 29th. Uh, I and I, I just want to hear your impressions because I have my feelings. I've had a number of conversations about this album. Um, one of which involved uh, a bunch of dudes and one chick. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was just a lot going on in this album. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Um, first impressions. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a little bit more, I guess, out there. Um, he's less in this like lane of like I want to make sexy music, and more so just kind of like I want to I want to be a little bit weird and edgy, and <laughs> there's like a lot of um, a lot of Prince influences here. Yep. Um, it's still it's still sexy. Like it's still like a lot of um, I want to fuck you and. You know, what I'm saying we're gonna have sex type of type of music, but it's not like the type of music that you would put on when you and your lady are getting ready to, you know, lay down. I feel like this is um, him expressing his sexuality in like a lot of different ways. Um, some people are gonna like that, some people aren't. I think sonically it was cool, but it wasn't to me. It just was. It didn't have like the same kind of feel as a kaleidoscope dream, and so that probably kind of. Um, knocked it down a couple of notches for me because I really enjoyed what he did with, with Kaleidoscope Dream. And I, I agree with you on a lot of those points. Um, we're going to get to to one point that you made in, in one quick second about sexy time music, but um, I, I for the most part agree with you. Uh, there there were some good points in the album. Sonically, I do I, I will give this album its props. Um, it has some great people playing on it. It has some great people. Um, from Raphael Sadiq to Lenny Kravitz to like s- some legit people, Cashmere Cat that are on here that make this album sound really good, mm-hmm. and that was the not saving grace because I didn't I didn't hate this album I didn't love this album there were parts of this album that were really cool and so the lead single off of it Coffee I really en- like I-, I mean that's the lead single everybody's gonna enjoy that right i really liked it i liked it when he released it on the ep like a couple months before so it had been out there um here's the point i wanted to kind of get to with you uh you said that that it is sexy time music here's my issue with with current state r&b and half the dudes who are r&b quote unquote mainstream i would say because there's underground and but i'm not going to sit here and have the the oh there's underground music argument right now but Mm -hmm. (laughs) the issue i have with current state r&b him august alcina kirko bangs to a point first (laughs) off still making music damn it man yes he is um (laughs) no shade no shade no shade no shade well, here's the thing. Most of the, the like talented R&B people have gone pop and top 40. And it's driven me nuts because it's been like the death of clever writing. When I think about the R&B that I enjoyed um, growing up, 90s R&B, even into the late 90s, early 2000s R&B, it was intelligent, creative writing. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't outright say... I'm going to come and slam your head against the headboard. It was somebody's rocking, knocking the boots. Like there was an air of creativity to it. 
Yeah. Like, and, and that was, that was the reason I was a big fan. I, I had this conversation um, before with somebody, but I was a big fan of Neo when he first came out because his writing was excellent. Like he would say the most clever things and it would lead into something amazing. Like I remember on the joint mirror, he had a line that I could just, you could take that line and literally whisper it in a girl's ear and it would mm-hmm. make her go nuts. And, and granted, and it just seems like, like the, the direct to the point, I'm going to fuck you and tie you up from the ceiling was something a rapper would say versus an R&B star would be more smooth and more suave with it. Right. So that that is my thinking, and that's the biggest downfall I have here. Because there's there's good music like, um, flesh was good and sexy at the same time. Yeah. The I music guess. behind Face the Sun, which is the joint with Lenny Kravitz, was good. Um, but but the thing everybody was talking about was the value. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it takes such a hardcore twist. Granted, the illusion of it, the, well, the valley he's referring to for the slow people, <laughs> for the people at the, they were they were at the back of the class not paying attention, he's referring to the valley in California where they film porn. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping people knew that. I, I ran across a couple of people who didn't. Maybe I just educated too much on porn. Who knows? Um, I mean, you got to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but, um, those were, I mean, there was enjoyable moments, right? And I feel like the, the, when it's, when it's really blatant and brash, it can, it can come off really well if it's used in moderation. I feel like on Kaleidoscope Dream, when he had like pussy is mine, like he had that like, whoa, like he really just said that, but that was like the only track on there. And so it kind of stood out and it was special. Right. Versus this, like... It happens more often, and then it stops becoming special, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay, this is this is what you decided to do, and like you said, it's less clever at that point. Exactly, exactly. So that's how I felt. Um, one of the bonus tracks, GFG, which stands for Good Fucking Girl, <laughs> was actually that that one was one of my favorite tracks of the album. Like really? Sonic, it it sounds really good to me. Like I mm-hmm. and it actually reminds me of a track that in uh that uh my friend one of my friends did and hopefully we'll have him up here soon because he has a show coming up next week or the week after next. That's anyway, Mercury Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um shout out Mercury. Like Mercury has been been cool with him since 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 school and he he agreed to do the podcast, so we gonna hold him to it, but he's been busy <laughs> rehearsing like like crazy for this show. But it reminds me of, of one of his tracks. So, anywho, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities you can compare between the two of them. But mm-hmm. Merck's more of an EDM rock rocker than R and B artist, but he does kind of every damn thing because mm-hmm. he's talented as hell. Speaking anyway, of, would you call would you call this a R and B album? Like, cause. Sonically, I don't know. It's not like your regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill R&B. This is more psychedelic, lots of uh, guitars and like less like piano and stuff like that. I would. I would still, because, I mean, if we're going to classify, and, 
And you and I had this conversation, I want to say like five years ago, discussing like Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do consider it R&B. If, if we're going to consider... Where, that's like, where would you put Prince? Because like you said, there's a heavy Prince I want to... There's a heavy right. I want to be Prince influence in this album. I, I would consider Prince more of a rock star than a, a R&B star. That's and true. I, and I feel like I feel like people are quick to put music into the R&B category when it's um, somebody who's of African-American or uh, I guess of, of minority culture just because like traditionally like those are the lanes that we have owned and it's kind mm-hmm. of been like white people do rock and black people do R&B. And even then, though we invented rock. Even though we invented rock. Um, but more and more, like, people are, are doing things that are, like, cross-genre, and they end up still getting, like, placed in the, I want to say, the wrong bucket just because of what they look like or yeah. what they've done previously. I agree. Um, here's the thing, though. Also, I think there is a starved lane in R&B right now that they're looking to fill. Right. So anything that comes close to it, the people in the R&B space are holding on to with reckless abandon like because there isn't any like i all the the r&b stars that i see want to be a pop star or want to be a rapper mm-hmm. and so it's like because you have like august alcina and chris brown who make r&b music but it's more like trap and b and Chris Brown, Chris Brown dances across the R and B pop rap spectrum yeah. like it's his job. Yeah, and <laughs> um, Figurati- and then, figuratively and literally speaking, dances around. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, Neo is another one. Like his last album, which was actually really good to me. It wasn't really good, but it was good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Had it was like split down the middle, where it was half. Um, R&B back to his roots of R&B and then have pop stuff like super pop with Pitbull and Juicy J for clubs and because that's where he's making his money and I, I ain't mad at him he found that out like he him him Pitbull and, and Flo Rida said let's get this money and they do it so hmm. I, I'm it's it's a tough call, but I would put this as close to the R and B category than the rock category because I appreciate the guitar in R and B. Like everybody, everybody wanted to play the guitar once they heard the solo on um, "You Got It Bad" and an- <laughs> another couple of songs. Like everybody yeah. wants to play those guitar solos, so I I'm all for it. Um, but it, it dances across these genres, and I think that's kind of cool though. Like mix it up. Right, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but I, we are starved for an R&B. That's why I was excited about the Jagged Edge album and then quickly got unexcited. And then <laughs> excited about a couple other albums. Like, I still have to re-listen to the Rico Love album. Like, I listened to it once, mm-hmm. but I need to listen to it again, see what's going on. But uh, speaking of other artists, um, let's go over and hop over here to the, the, the King of the Summer, Mr. Dom Kennedy. Whew, okay, let's so, do it. Dom Kennedy uh, released his album on June 2nd, marking the beginning of summer. It was an 11-track effort. It is his third or fourth studio album. can't remember. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think he's got four. I yeah, I think this is that. official for the studio album because I know he has some mixtapes in there and everything else. Right. Um. So, what did you think of Dom Kenny? You were so excited. I'm, I'm one of the biggest like Dom Kennedy fans out like outside of probably outside of California, uh, though I hail from Sacramento. Um, was introduced to him probably what was that freshman year of college, and so I've been rocking with him ever since. And so his his releases have been like the mark that says this is this is summertime and you put in you put in his mixtape you put in his album whatever you roll down the windows and you cruise you cruise through the streets and so i was very excited for another project from him um and i have to admit i was a little bit um i want to say underwhelmed more so than disappointed um okay by this and the reason why i say that is because it's not that he didn't he didn't it's not that he didn't give me dom kennedy like he gave me what he does it's just i guess and I hadn't realized this until I heard this album that by by now I'm a little bit over um, that that particular sound and it, it feels like everything he's given me now is is kind of all the same. Like this stuff sounds just like what was on, um, not the Yellow album, but uh, the one that came right before the Yellow album. Um, you got me. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you. Mm. <laughs> So yeah, the original this sounds just like everything that's off of uh the original Dom Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. Um with that being said, I've never been a big fan of Dom Kennedy and I've been accosted for it a number of times. Um because his music always like the sound is cool, but it always was like watered down. It seemed like watered down stereotypical LA hip hop to me. Hmm. And it, it seemed kind of like the sleepy version of it. But right. with that being said, there has been a lot of points where I was like, somebody threw some Dom Kennedy on and I was, and it was like, oh, this is dope. And yeah. like the yellow album's crazy. Yeah. I, and here's the thing. What I figured out with this album, because I actually left it on, I was like, well, let me leave it on my phone. Besides mm-hmm. when I'm just reviewing it and see what happens when the tracks hit out of sequence and hit just on different at different times. Mm-hmm. And I found out I liked it more that way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could listen to his albums straight through, but mm-hmm. individually I found songs that I've really liked off this album. So mm-hmm. this has been something that, that has hit for me personally, I was like, well, damn, well, maybe let me go back, throw some tracks on from the Yellow album, throw some tracks on from some other albums. And when they pop up in the shuffle, um, maybe I'll enjoy them much more than I did trying to listen to the full project. That's interesting. And yeah, I mean, that's that's how I found it, because like I listened to it two times straight through. Kind of was like this all blends together. But when I was listening just on on a daily, like I'm just driving around shuffling music, and the first song that really hit me was "Represent." Mm-hmm. Um, that song, I, I I actually played that like two times back to back because I was like, "This is really dope to go like barbecue, sitting with the homies, driving around Atlanta, windows down, like you said." And I was like, "Okay, I can feel that." And yeah. 
and then that was like the first i think that was the first quote-unquote single if he had a single um, yeah he's kind of underground kind of underground artist so he's not going to get a whole lot of um radio play but mm-hmm. that is like the first one i think that was that was leaked before um before the album actually came out it, yep i think you're right because i think i remember hearing that before the album came out and then yeah the other one that really hit me was thank you biggie um hmm. that one i i think it was because his relating to him enjoying biggie growing up mm-hmm. and, and admitting his biggie influence hearken to my own liking of biggie and enjoying hip hop. Right. And and so that really hit me. And then this nigga turned up. I didn't realize it the <laughs> first two times I listened to the album. I didn't listen realize it until maybe two days ago. Track six, Fried Lobster, featuring Bonnick. <laughs> Let me tell you about this nigga Bonnick. <laughs> Bonnick played a big part in my high school era. Why? Bonnick used to be named Bubonic. Bubonic was one of the members of a group called Philly's Most Wanted. Philly's uh. Most Wanted was supposed to, was actually signed to Pharrell and Star Trek and was supposed to be up next when state property kind of folded. Like when state property fell apart, <laughs> there were three people that got screwed over. Philly's Most Wanted, Meek Mill, and Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Because all of them three was up next from Philly. There was a couple other people I'm not going to go into because I know if there's anybody from Philly, you're going to start yelling at me about Gilly the Kid, but fuck you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gilly had his chance and he fucked it up. But, <laughs> but those three were supposed to be like next up. And when State Prop and The Rock kind of fell apart, they got kind of lost in the fold mm-hmm. because Philly kind of lost its attention with the rise of Atlanta, which anyway, so y'all know the history of hip hop. Anyway, I don't have to go into that. But Bonnick was fire in Philly's Most Wanted. I still have some Philly's Most Wanted tracks on my joint, on, on my on my phone at all times, across the border and everything else. So to see that this nigga came back and is actually slowly, once I just started doing research, found out he's been rapping again. I'm excited. Um, Complex did put his ass in an article about rap careers that are over before they start again, but Ooh, that doesn't that doesn't bode well. No, but I, that's just niggas hate me anyway. But <laughs> Bonnie, you know the real. <laughs> I know niggas, niggas from Philly tend to tend to just keep pushing to try to prosper, and as long as he doesn't try to beef with Meek, which because right now, if you, it's like. Not get down or lay down, but it is you can't really go with the only nigga hot in the city at the mm-hmm. moment. And that's what Cassidy's problem is. Is that Meek bodied him in publicity. Mm-hmm. Because like I guarantee you Meek could probably it would probably be a fair battle because Meek is not as lyrical as Cassidy, but Cassidy hasn't improved his flow or anything else since Drinking a two right. step, so you can't. So Meek going going kill him off, nigga. You sound the same as two thousand three, like basically. But anyway, so I digress. Welcome back, Bonic. Um, but no, it's just like the track. The album wasn't bad, and I'm not angry at it. 
Uh, I will still keep it around. Keep playing it as long as it's 90 damn degrees in Georgia, which will be till probably fucking October. I was about to say, so it's, so it's going to be in rotation for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I would say go ahead take a listen to it. If you're from California, and especially we have a very loyal listener in Southern California at the moment. Um, and we appreciate her and all that she does and the promotion of the show that she does. Just so you know, we we watching you. We see you. Um, if I were out there, I would be repping Dom. He's not. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Like it was. It's a solid effort in the album. Um, it's just. It's just kind of. It's. It's flat. It's not the best. It's not yeah, the best thing. It's if not. You, the if best. you're. If you haven't listened to Dom Kennedy before, I would probably suggest um, going to listen to From the West Side with Love, um, the first one, and then the Yellow album. I feel like those two are like the. Those are the reasons why everybody is like really behind Dom Kennedy like that, and then everything else kind of like falls in behind that. It's all it's all really good, but those two projects in 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 specific are like what makes Dom Kennedy Dom Kennedy. There you go. Sounds good to me. So uh, with that, that that can, is going to be our music section for this week. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking to you about uh, the movie Jurassic World as well as we're going to be talking about the. Uh, couple of different really cool things to come out of San Diego Comic-Con this this last last week. Um cool trailers and stuff like that. So we'll be back in a moment. We're going to go uh, get these uh sponsors. We got to go pay these bills. This week's episode of Virtual Dopeness is brought to you by the internet, not the music group, the actual internet. It's not just for porn anymore. Now back to the show. Now what they say about the crazy ones. Huh? Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you. Really, really. And that was a word from our sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about a couple things in our media section that are really cool. One, a movie that's been out for a while, but uh, I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but it, well, yes, a lot of people did see it. Let's not even get around that because it grossed <laughs> millions upon millions worldwide. Jurassic World. And then we're going to get into talking about some of these dope trailers that came in the recent weeks and that came out of the San Diego Comic-Con. Um so, first things first, Jurassic World, it is a return to the 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 uh, park. It is a return to the island in which they have created these dinosaurs. Um, this is an update. Kind of, they worked out the flaws and the kinks and the issues that they had. And ha- they thought... Did they, though? Did they, <laughs> they thought they worked out the issues that they had. And then they took a step too far. Um, basically, <laughs> there is this the the initial character main characters of this movie are uh, the uh, not the the not the owner, but the person who basically the general manager, general operations yeah. person, COO of the park, um, and then. One of the trainers who is responsible for training and being an expert in housing the dinosaurs. 
And then the COOs of the parks, her two nephews come to visit her. She's basically, uh, basically your over ambitious. Uh, I thought you were going to say overseer. <laughs> I was like, whoa, it's a different no. type of movie. No, 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 no. We're not going there. No, 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 no. No, nah, 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 but she's the over ambitious uh, career focused person. Like, and, and it's easy to say career focused woman, but that. That's bad because when a woman does it, she's a career obsessed. But when a man does it, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Get the fuck out of here. Like, if you don't have a balance with your family, then then you're just a work obsessed person. But basically, she's she doesn't have kids. She doesn't have a husband or or any boyfriend or anything. She's focused on the operations of the park and her sister sends her two, two kids out to see her, to see the park while they're handling some other family issues. So that that's really inconsequential to the movie kind of. But anyway, so there's a little boy who's pretty much, you kind of figure out he's semi a genius. Like he's, he's, I feel like he's just into dinosaurs. He's into like dinosaurs. He's, a he's, he's a kid. He's really, really, really into dinosaurs. He's really nerdy, a little bit socially awkward. Um, his older brother is your typical teenage kind of jock who's into a, like every girl ever. So <laughs> like um, they're kind of sent out there and their aunt gives them the free pass to the park, like gives them like the, 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 uh, I wouldn't say the keys to the castle, but you know, yeah, pretty they much can go wherever they want, you know, cut in line and all that good stuff. Yeah. So VIP treatment. Yeah, full VIP treatment. So basically what they've done is really made made the park a huge successful tourist attraction and found thought they had found out every way to control these dinosaurs until they fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> they then created a dinosaur to basically push ratings. Like that that's what it is. They needed a new dinosaur, so they genetically engineered one. But what they did was they genetically engineered one out of every terrifying fucking dinosaur that they possibly could. Right. And that backfires on them. Because, <laughs> you know, that sounds like a good idea. Right. So, um, I, I, I'll, I'll take the lead for this one because I think uh, just in our... actually enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Now, um, I was slightly drunk when I went to see it. Uh, but with that being said, I really enjoyed it. Like it was everything. It it met the expectations I wanted it to be. Like I was not looking for logic. I was looking for dinosaurs eating people. Like I was looking for dinosaurs screwing stuff up, blowing stuff up, eating people, fighting each other. And it had enough, uh, nostalgia of the old movies in it. It had the updates in technology. Um, but it did have something that annoyed me, and that is horrible decision making. Yeah. Um, and and it was horrible decision making, partly on the part of evil people, but also on the part of even good people making stupid decisions. And that's the one thing that annoys me in movies more than anything else is horrible decision making. 
for instance, the whole movie After Earth, I wanted to slap the dog shit out of Jaden Smith. Because <laughs> he just made stupid decision after stupid decision. Some of those stupid decisions kind of bleed into this movie where it's just like, well, why don't you just shoot it down? Like, those type of, of moments. But at the same time, there were really cool things that happened. And I enjoyed those. So, uh... HR, what say you? (laughs) What Um, didn't you like about this movie? (laughs) Let's start. Let's start with what I did like. I really thought that the uh, the special effects and stuff were cool. I thought, honestly, I thought the initial like premise behind the movie um, was cool, and I knew that something something was going to have to go awry in order for um, chaos to ensue. Mm -hmm. Um, What I didn't enjoy was the blatantly stupid mistakes that were made that allowed <laughs> everything else to follow from it. And it's like, okay, I understand that y'all have to have like some kind of like misstep in order for it to be like a disaster, but did it have to be like that stupid, that contrived like and that early <laughs> on into the movie? You're right. Because <laughs> the initial the initial escape is kind of like, really, wait, nigga? God, like, God, like you, you couldn't figure out another way to do that? Like, like it basically just walks out the cage, basically. Like, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't try to make it, like, make it clever or anything. It's just, nope, the, the giant dinosaur that we engineered walks out the cage. Just out the, the door, the giant door that we opened. Because <laughs> there, there was even a, a, a mocking. Uh, there's a YouTube channel that does like everything wrong with something in like four minutes. Yeah, and they it, like the first thing they said was, "Hey guys, let's just run out the door that the dinosaur can't fit through." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Damn, you're right." <laughs> so. Uh. And that's the, honestly like, and normally that would be a spoiler, but it happens so early on into the movie that, like, you know, you you're not gonna be mad about that. Oh no, it's a smooth like ten minutes in, like the credits, <laughs> the credits finish, and the dinosaur walks out the cage. Like, <laughs> so there, there's there's that, and then I feel like because you have gone to such extreme measures to make sure that this park is safe, that there are certain safeguards that I I think would have been built in. That apparently just do not exist. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of akin to that whole like uh, the the super villain who, for whatever reason, has a big red button that if if the hero pushes it, like his whole lab like blows itself <laughs> up. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> for real, like these are the kind of decisions y'all are making. All right, bet whatever. <laughs> After, but once you get past that, once you get past that, I feel like there is definitely some fun to be had with the rest of the movie. Oh yeah, there's definitely there. It, it's a fun movie to watch. Like you, it, it has the intense action sequences. Um, there, there's a good, a well-made point. Um, that a lot of things didn't have to happen mm-hmm. because there should have been, like you said, fail safes in place. But like when they're running, when they like the dealing with the Velociraptors was cool. Dealing with the technology of everything is cool. They did leave it open. I w- here's the thing. My biggest crusade lately is to leave shit alone. If you have a hit, make your hit and walk the hell away. 
They mm-hmm. left the they. There's a point in here that they leave open to having a second movie that I don't want them to make. Because hmm. mm-hmm. like there there is a scenario that happens where it could continue. I don't mm-hmm. want them to continue it because I, <laughs> be, no seriously because every movie that comes out you have to have three of now. And it pisses me off. Right. So there's been a couple movies to buck that, like uh, 2021 and 22 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. The end of 22 Jump Street, they go on a tirade of 23 to, through like 37 Jump Street. <laughs> they do a whole montage of 23 to like 37 of ridiculous scenarios. And so it kills off the possibility of a third one. And I was like, I appreciate you for that. Until you until you find out that the next one is actually thirty eight Jump Street. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was just like, I, I if if it's a good movie, leave it alone. Like yeah. certain movies, just leave them alone. Like I hope I haven't read the books. I don't know how they work out. But like the Divergent series, I just saw the second version, the second movie of that, where it ends. Insurgent ends. I hope it ends there. That's a good place. Nah, but it's a tri- it's got to be a trilogy. It's a it's a trilogy because it's it's based on a set of books. So I and I haven't read. <laughs> and apparently, authors can only write books in threes. Apparently, unless it's like you're a comedy, unless you're uh, George R. R. Martin, and then you just write fifty eight books comprised of four books. <laughs> Fucking the the goddamn Lord of the Rings, not Lord of the Rings. What's that guy? What's the the shit? The Hobbit? No. Um, oh, Game of Thrones. There it is. Yeah. Game of Thrones. He has to finish. There's so much in them. He has to finish them before he dies, we hope. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be like a bunch of angry people. But anyway. But I just, I thought the movie was good. I thought it was really fun and enjoyable. It had the nostalgia points. It had my Raptors. It has the set pieces of the other ones. And... Yeah. And it has a cool fight sequence. Actually. It has a really cool fight sequence that involves multiple dinosaurs. <laughs> Not trying to give away too much, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, I don't want to give away the 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 ending, but it's it's a cool ending. And I feel like it was enough there for the kids in the theater, it was enough there for the adults that lived the original Jurassic Parks. Yeah. And it, it it was in, very enjoyable. So there was there's a little Alien versus Predator in there for me. Like I don't know if you've seen that movie, but how yeah. like uh, Sanat Lathis character, how she just like is left unscathed. Like <laughs> that's kind. Of, it, they had a little bit of that in there for me, but um, you know if you're if you're okay with that, then yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. you'll you'll enjoy yourself. Also, women, ladies, everybody who. Uh, it, practice your running in heels because she makes a clinic out of running in heels in this movie. <laughs> she really does. If you can run like her in heels, then you are a superhero. Period. So and you'll survive. Basically. Yeah, and you'll survive. <laughs> so, all right. So let's get down to some of these Comic Con trailers. I there is a lot happened at Comic Con. Comic Con is the um, big comic book movie television uh convention that happens in san diego there's a bunch of them throughout the country um comic-con there's dragon con there's 
uh, what the fuck a con? Like, there's Mega there's con. Mega con. There's 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 a lot of these conferences all around centering around superheroes, cosplay, and um, just enjoying your um, enjoying these characters. Mm-hmm. So. The San Diego Comic-Con being one of the biggest ones is the one that really gets the attention because it attracts uh, the big movie studios, the DCs, the Marvels. It attracts the, the, the television studios to debut and show off their shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, so it's we like the E3 for comics. There you go. There you go. There you go. So we had some really cool stuff come out of it. Um, official trailers. Some trailers that were actually not supposed to be online but leaked because, well, everybody has a camera in their pocket now. Come on now. <laughs> uh, so we had a couple that we wanted to talk about. There, there were a ton. There, um, Hannibal, the Man from Uncle, uh, Outcast is come. Uh, a show called Outcast is coming up. Superman versus Batman. Um, Amazon premiered something called The Man in the High Castle. Uh, Stars has Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh, Walking Dead for their upcoming season, which we'll be talking about in a second. There's a new Lego movie coming out. Um, Doctor Who, they did a thing for the upcoming season. Sherlock, they did a thing for the upcoming season, which I know you're you were a fan of Sherlock, right? I was a fan of the uh. What was the show on? Uh, is it NBC or ABC mm-hmm. with Lucy Liu? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, what else kind of came about? Uh, Street Fighter F- Ken will be returning to Street Fighter Five. Um, they premiered a trailer for the Hunger Games. We wanted to zero in on a couple that we really wanted to talk about. First one being the return of heroes. Um. A lot of people were very big fans of Heroes, but it got unfortunately hit in the nuts by <laughs> the writer's strike. <laughs> so when they tried to continue the show with not the writers of the show, mm-hmm. and it failed miserably. And by the time the writers came back, it was it was they couldn't correct it. Like it was it was over. They couldn't help anything. Like they could have rewrote their lives out. And people weren't interested anymore because of what happened to it. So now they are rebooting Heroes. And to me, the trailer looks good. I only watched the first season of Heroes before I kind of fell out of it and before the Rider Strike happened. And this actually made me interested in seeing it again. So that's that's the, the, the sense I get from it. What about you? Um... I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed what I saw from the from the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm not, I was never like the biggest heroes fan in the in the first place. I just kind of uh watched it when I was into uh, Hayden my Hayden Panettiere crush phase. Uh, and so I followed <laughs> it for like maybe a it went what three seasons. So I think I watched the first two, mm-hmm. um, and that was about it. I had a crush. I had a crush on her as well until I figured out that she was a little girl from from uh, Remember the Titans, and I just felt nasty. And she's still my age, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as long as you're not sitting here waiting on August 10th, 
like the rest of these creeps for uh, Kylie. Right. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Tiger. Uh-huh. Fuck that up. Fuck that nigga. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the what what I saw from the 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 rebirth of the of the show, it looks it looks interesting. Um, and I'll leave it at the I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I can see some more. Okay, September. Um, I had a couple old a couple of old characters uh, making a return, but for the most part, a brand new cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so September twenty fourth that comes back. So now. Two big trailers, big time, huge. Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. Suicide Squad looks freaking awesome. It does. <laughs> like we saw the pictures. Um, when you're looking at pictures that kind of leak, it, it worries me because it, it's kind of like a. This could go one of two ways. It could look cheesy, or this could look great, and mm-hmm. it really looks great. And. Jared, Jared Leto, Leto as the ooh. as the Joker looks awesome. It really does. Like Jared Leto, ha- I have not seen anything but the trailer, but goddamn, he looks like it's gonna be some shit. I don't know if I'm <laughs> sold on uh, Harley Quinn because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. I don't know what people's obsession with Harley Quinn is, but there is a big following for Harley Quinn. I don't know if I'm if I'm okay. I, I don't know if I'm I'm fully sold on her. On the girl playing her yet, so mm-hmm. but the trailer looks awesome, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see this movie. Yep, Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, sir, this looks like it could be terrible. I about to say that I don't know. I think because Christopher Nolan set the bar so high for the Batman franchise mm-hmm. to then go go to uh ben affleck as as batman uh and and i don't even who's directing this this is um the guy who did watchmen right mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know man i'm, I'm it, worried it interesting premise i mean perfect premise just maybe not the right people executing I, and i don't know what dc doesn't get that marvel does like i i I think we've we, we've been rebooted to death too many times, and it's starting to kill stuff. Like, yeah. Superman's been rebooted. I don't know how many times, um, and they've it's been on like the the constant quest to find a good Superman. Batman has had extreme success, and they fucked with it. <laughs> and you shouldn't fuck with it. Um, and it seems like that. Like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but just based on the trailer, it seems like there's like pieces of the origin story in here again. And it's like, do we really need to know like right. Batman's parents got killed and that's why he decided to become a vigilante? Like, especially when you have a whole TV series on right now that is going into depth <laughs> into the creation of Gotham and the creation of Batman. Yeah, like Gotham is on television right now. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, yeah. it, it worries me. I want it to be good. I want for this movie to be good. Um, but it it worries the crap out of me. Um, so uh, one other thing, we're gonna touch quick on Walking Dead because I know I watch Walking Dead, but you don't. Um, I do not watch Walking Dead. And the funniest part about Walking Dead is the zombies have really become like background noise at this point <laughs> because it's really been about the people. And they've been background noise for like two, three seasons at this point. But 
some dude walking... named some dude named Rick, I guess. I, I don't know. I, there's this Rick. There's this Rick guy. I guess he's kind of important. <laughs> Rick's been lost his fucking mind. Is what's happened. Um, <laughs> Rick has gone from this nice guy who was trying to help everybody to absolute psychopath. It seems like, and I feel like this whole season is going to be exceedingly stressful. Um. Uh, guys, I just wanted to uh, put this out there real quick. If there's any weird cuts in the next like five ten minutes, it's because apparently the rapture is happening in a thunderstorm outside my house. So <laughs> if if it starts to cut up weird, listeners, I, if I'm okay and we don't flood out, then we'll be okay. We'll we'll, we'll make sure this episode <laughs> comes in. And if this but, is if this is our final episode, then you'll know that uh, <laughs> he was taken on to Jesus. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I was watching This Is The End last night. If you guys haven't seen that, that movie is fucking hilarious. It's hilarious with a dark-ass twist. Like, just watch that shit. Anyway. Um, anyway, but I, th- I feel like the season of The Walking Dead is going to be stressful as fuck. Um, yeah. So, last thing we're going to talk about uh, is actually not a Comic-Con trailer, but a trailer that happened and that excites me to no end. First off, Michael B. Jordan can do no wrong right now. Right? Just on top of the world right now. <laughs> can do no wrong. The trailer for Creed. Michael B. Jordan is playing the son of Apollo Creed. Um, Rocky Sylvester, Stall- Sylvester Stallone is making an, uh, some type of appearance. Uh, Michael B. Jordan teams up with his co-star of from The Wire uh, <laughs> of Avon Barksdale. Uh, teams up, comes out as his trainer. Um, Felicia Rashad is playing his mother. It's shot in my hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, of course, because where else would it be fucking shot? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this movie was being made. I didn't know anything about it till all of a sudden I logged on to Facebook one day and the trailer popped up and I was like, holy shit, this looks awesome. <laughs> No, it was, it's a really good idea. Yeah, and it's it's his son. It's his son boxing, um, dealing with the shadow of his father, dealing with being his own man and making it as a boxer. So this shit looks good. I'm, I'm super excited about this. Uh, yeah, if everything goes well, this could totally be just like another franchise for Sylvester Stallone and his uh, production company. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm like in the trailer with Lupe Bussin. <laughs> <laughs> haven't haven't been able to say that in a while. Right. Like that's one of and when we talked about wait, did we air that episode? Was our first episode Lupe or was our first episode No, our first episode was Tetsu on Youth, wasn't it? Or was that yeah. the uh Or was that the the yeah. the, the, the the day zero episode? <laughs> Um, um, can't, you can't tell everybody about the Day Zero episode. Whoo, boy. That'll get out there at some point in the future, we think. Who knows? Um, <laughs> After we're gone. Yeah. <laughs> like the Lost episode. But uh, definitely, uh, the song on there is a song that's actually sampled from a Fort Minor song. Um, the, the trailer looks amazing, guys. Go watch it. Like, go watch it and enjoy. And then if you haven't. I find more and more people haven't watched the Rocky franchise. Watch Rockies one through four, and then <laughs> maybe Rocky Balboa. If you watch Rocky five, then you're just—it's just terrible. Most people don't know Rocky five exists. Mm-mm. 
<laughs> I do not. It, I I among them. It, yeah, it's terrible. It's his son, and he ends up fighting some guy in the streets. It, it's terrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so we've discussed a lot of these trailers. I'm excited for these movies. Um, go see Jurassic World if you haven't, but I'm pretty sure the entire planet has. Um, and then go see. Let us know which one of these trailers you're excited about. Did we miss one? Um, was there something that happened at Comic-Con that, that you were excited about? Let us know, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll be back in one second with our tech segment. Everything's falling apart. We're getting hacked. The world is over. Kind of. Digital glitches, one after the next. We're continuing to follow breaking news right now. United Airlines has grounded planes nationwide. Right now here at the New York Stock Exchange, trading has suddenly been halted. This is what you see when you try to go to the Wall Street Journal website. And lastly today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about tech. We are going to be talking about one thing that kind of happened in the uh, tech industry and then uh, some stuff that's going on in the video game industry that's kind of cool. Uh, some money making opportunities and some other cool things like that. Um, so the first thing up today was a technical glitch on the same day caused the New York City Stock Exchange or the New York Stock Exchange to go down, as well as United Airlines. They are saying that the Wall Street fall down was just a technical issue. It wasn't a malicious tech on anybody. So what this means, ladies and gentlemen, is basically like you were using your computer, like you're doing something, and all of a sudden you get a little pop-up that says, oh, something unexpectedly crashed, and we just got to be out for a second, and we got to reboot the whole system. Thing is, that happened in the middle of the day during trading at the New York City Stock Exchange. I say I keep saying New York City, but New York Stock Exchange. That's kind of a big deal. So because there's markets around the world, there were was some trading that, that kept going. But mm -hmm. New York City, it just halted everything. And actually, while they were down, they actually canceled any trades that were happening at that time. Kind of a big deal. Hopefully, and, and which means you would have had to place that trade again. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a big deal because that could be million. That could be the hinging of millions of billions of trillions of dollars. Yeah, in Something that like sixty percent of the S and P five hundred is traded on uh, New York Stock Exchange. So exactly, some, uh, some big play, some big players, huge yeah, players for sure. <laughs> And so, of course, the uh, the and with United Airlines, did they actually attribute that to an attack? I don't. Did they? So yeah, I, I think I was reading somewhere that um, <clears throat> the United Airlines uh, outage was a, a result of a of an attack versus just like a a glitch, <clears throat> whereas the the New York Stock Exchange was supposedly just an internal internal error which i actually i can i can believe that one because here's the thing about the stock exchange there are two industries that run on a certain type of code okay this code and this is going to get a little inside baseball so let's get a little bit nerdy um if you're if you're nerdy out there your nipples might get hard when i start talking about this but um 
<laughs> let me let me check let me check mine real quick. Hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. Okay, so there is an old old code coding language called mumps. Sounds Whoa. like a disease. <laughs> there are only two industries that use mumps. Healthcare and <laughs> finance. Healthcare is slowly getting away from it. But here's the thing about mumps code. It's extremely convoluted. It's weird to look at. You can't understand the crap. It's very procedural, but it's fast as fucking lightning Hmm. and reliable. So that's why they used it. Now, the other thing is hospitals were not always down to, um, they're always trying to save money on, on technology to use it for patient care. So, when you have a new MRI machine, you're going to put your money toward that versus the system to get you logged in and track your billing in the hospital. Because basically tracking the billing in the hospital, as long as it works and we get our money, who cares how long it takes the people to do it? So finance was the same way. They were trying to cut corners and not update their systems. So I know the systems that they're looking at and mumps code is a motherfucker. So if there is an issue in it, I challenge you to find a mumps programmer under the age of 55. <laughs> I am so serious. Under the age of 55. And because the shit is old and crazy. And if you take your normal computer science student out of tech state MIT and show them mumps code, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? And why does there, why is there percent symbol next to a parenthesis? Yep. You assholes. So I can imagine that happening. Um, but United Airlines, I've been through a couple of computer glitches at at uh, airports. It's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And it cripples everything. So, yeah, what was the what was the effects of, of that attack? It shut down flights. Was it was it the entire uh, fleet of? Um, United Airlines yeah, they, aircrafts are they grounded everything like if you were in the air you were pretty much going to continue on to your destination and get tracked but they couldn't get people onto planes so you couldn't check people in and if you can't check people in you can't be 100% sure they are who they say they are and then all of a sudden you end up with terrorist number 7 on a plane and I think they were they were down like all day, right? Yeah, they were down for a minute. Yeah, and because like, and I've dealt with that before with uh, AirTran, rest in peace. When I was flying them in college, um, one time I was flying standby um, to get home. I think for like Thanksgiving or something, mm-hmm. and their systems went down, so everybody was getting bounced off flights. So if you were on standby, you were pretty much ass out of luck. <laughs> And it's no fun because everywhere is backed up. People are on top of people. It's an effective way to shut down something. If you can't check into for your flight and they have to manually check all of your information and check you in, it is a pain in the ass. So it's an effective way. So I could see if you're trying to attack and just basically a lot of the Internet attacks are either to steal information or to um, disrupt service. Disrupt service, and that's that's an effective way to do it. You disrupt service, yeah. 
It's it's you disrupt for an hour and you fucked an entire day at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he they the fact they were shut down for as long as they were and not only messed up uh that day but also the the following day because everybody exactly. who they had to then bounce to other flights. So, and of course there's there's a million conspiracy theories out there behind all of this. Bush uh, did it. <laughs> Bush did it. Trump did it. Um Beretta did it. Beretta did it. Al Qaeda did it. ISIS did it. Russia did it. Putin himself put his, did it, did the hacking. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> so while he while he was shirtless riding a horse. Exactly. That's how badass that motherfucker is. I I don't like him. He's an asshole anyway. But it's just it's just a ton of issues. Like. It's easy to blow things out of proportion. Anonymous actually made fun of it online. Um, Anonymous, I kind of look at as like Lil B. I'm scared to not follow them. (laughs) You don't want the curse. Exactly. Like, I don't want Anonymous to fuck up my shit, and I don't want Lil B to give me the curse. Like, I went to Lil B's set at Coachella just because I didn't want him to put the curse on me. Yep. Curse is real. That curse is real. Just ask KD. There you go. Ask James Harden. Man, did you see the, the Sports Center, uh, a Sports Nation segment with him on it? Uh, yeah, I did. Bruh, funniest <laughs> shit I've seen in a long time. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Lil B, the bass guy. There you go. <laughs> but um, so the, the conspiracy theories sometimes are warranted. I mean, there's been like, thanks to Edward Snowden, there's been a number of conspiracy theories that have been uncovered as actual shit and actually true. So... I mean, we can't completely discredit them, but we got to kind of like look to the internet. And if you follow some of these conspiracy theory rabbit holes on YouTube, you'll end up in a weird place. So, (laughs) but uh, speaking of YouTube, that brings us to our second topic. Um, Complex ran an article, and this was something that I wasn't truthfully paying attention to, but the industry of watching people play video games has now reached over $3 billion. Somebody got to explain that to me. I, Bruh, why don't you just play the video game yourself? Now, that's just my opinion, but it's really gotten to the point where people who are on um, YouTube, people who are on these gaming sites playing games, people are watching them for entertainment. Yep. And they're making money off of it. And I, I mean, I can't fault people. I can't fault people for making for for making money. But like you, like you can you can explain. Like who's the person you were talking about? Uh, PewDiePie from Sweden. Uh, I think reportedly made between somewhere between four million and seven million dollars last year, playing and commenting on video games. Which, and I don't think that's I don't think that's a that's not a slight against him. I don't mean to say that like. All he did was play and, and comment on video games, but the fact that he was able to take something that I'm sure he loves to do, to something he would be doing anyway for free, and turn that into a seven million dollar business is incredible. It's it's amazing to me. Um, like I I I mean, every once in a while when I get stuck in a video game, I'll go look at a tutorial on how to do a certain level or get past a certain part. Um, because sometimes you need a little help. Like anybody who's ever bought one of the gamer guides back in the day, like when Game Informer used to publish the big book of how to beat a game, 
Um, it, it, it makes sense that you can now go on the internet and find that information. Mm-hmm. Um, the hell? Sorry, my phone's tripping. I think, phone's tripping. I think but, last uh, year, uh, Forbes ran a ran an article about the 20 most popular YouTube channels, mm-hmm. and something like uh, 13 or 15 of the top 20 were all people who played Minecraft or played video games. That's ridiculous. Channel. That's yeah. ridiculous to me. Like, and I like. Okay, so I'll, I'll be I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the biggest. I don't play Minecraft. I know people who do. Um, I I don't see the big allure of it, but that's I think, just. I think me. we're slightly too. I think we're slightly too old. I, I think it's the the teens of this generation that are hooked hooked on Minecraft. Hey, if it's if it's working for them, then I'm not going to slide it. But at the same time, like it just seems a little ridiculous because it's basically like video game Legos. If I'm if I'm not, yep. yeah, okay, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, so I I mean I was a big Lego. You sound, you sound you sound mad old right now. <laughs> Damn it, man! Hey, man, I used to build the ill forts with my my, my Legos and Lincoln logs, son. I had, I had all the swords towers. <laughs> Microphones, bro. Uh, I don't even know if they make Lincoln Logs anymore. Anything, <laughs> anything that resembled just stacking Legos straight up as tall as they would go, I built it. There you go. And then, <laughs> and then I don't know if you saw uh, Grip. He had the uh, Lego. Was it the Death Star or was it the Millennium Falcon? Oh, oh, I think it was probably a Millennium Falcon. Yeah, man. So he had the legit one. I was like, damn, that had to take you a long time, but hey. Um, we got to get him up here at some point. Yeah, because he'll, he'll do a music segment and tell you about all the stuff that he doesn't like about the music industry. <laughs> but he also, but he also does some weird, weird, cool stuff. Like he just posted that he picked up some Bluetooth beacons for whatever reason, and like that he just posted that. And then he also has a he has an RFID chip in his hand, which is kind of cool. But anyway. <sighs> But, uh, yeah, so this has become, like, it's an interesting industry, but I just don't know if I could I could devote my time to, like, watching someone play video games. Like, I watch a lot of dumb, keep, keep in mind, I watch a lot of dumb shit online. I've gone down YouTube rabbit holes more than my, my fair share of times, <laughs> where you just, you start watching one video, and then three hours later, you're watching... Roswell conspiracies about how they run the White House, and you're like, "What did I get myself into?" But well, the one, the one thing I can I can think of an actual reason to mm-hmm. is um, because you you don't want to spend the actual capital to buy the game yourself. You can still at least a little bit experience what it's like to play that game. Um, and I'll give you an example when. Mortal Kombat X came out. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I was interested in playing it because of all the different characters they had. I wanted to see who all was in the game and what all their fatalities were. And of course, like a day or two after the game came out, somebody had posted on YouTube all of the fatalities. And so we were in the office watching all of the Mortal Kombat X fatalities. <laughs> I've seen every, I've seen every character and what everyone can do. I don't really need to buy the game now because I've already got what I wanted out of it. True. I can see that. I, I can definitely see that. And then there's definitely something to be said for like a lot of video games that have multiple endings. You don't want to take the time to the like you said, the, the the time capital to go back and play the game and 
hopefully make all the right decisions right to to end up with that alternate ending cuz like i think it was like one of the call of duties you got to you got to go through like three different decision trees to, to get all the endings in them mm-hmm. and uh i was like after i beat one i was like oh what were the other alternate endings and watched all of them and i'm glad i didn't play <laughs> play through <laughs> again because they're never as cool as you think they're. No, and then they never are like they're slight variations that mm-hmm. all set up the same sequel. <laughs> yep. So, last thing we have is kind of a sad note. Um, a ending. It, uh, damn, I was about to make a horrible joke. I was oh, about to I say didn't. there is <laughs> no alternate ending for this one. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> Damn it, man! I'm going to hell. But wow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Oh, I'm not taking that out. I'm gonna just ride it and hopefully not get shot. Um, but and you can help me with the name because I think you said it best earlier. The president of Nintendo. Unfortunately, passed away at 55 from cancer. Um, Satoru Iwata, unfortunately, rest in peace, uh, yeah. passed uh, recently when he died of uh, complications with a bile duct tumor. There you go. And, I mean, it's really sad because, I mean, he was one of the visionaries of the video game industry. He's the one, he's one of the ones that, that big and promoted Nintendo's direction of going with, we want to make something that's fun versus being the graphics the most the, the most cutting edge game. We don't want to make that. We right. want to make the game that's most fun. Right. And in the the kind of like the the light of this, I actually watched I was looking at I think it was a Engadget article or it was an Engadget article that they had picked up talking about how they they were wrong about the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Where people are actually really having fun and it's doing well because people are out there enjoying the hell out of it. And I was playing Smash Brothers with my with my he's basically like my godchild or little nephew. He's like eight years old, seven or eight, mm-hmm. and was playing Smash Brothers with him on the Wii U. It's fun as hell. Like all yeah. the games are enjoyable as hell. And that is they're something not, they're not said. pretty. No, they're not the prettiest game. No, nah, they're just uh, they're just what they are. <laughs> yeah. They're just fun to play, and you don't have to like you get away from some of the stuff. Like I was complaining to you yesterday about how Destiny took like an hour to install on my my, my right Xbox. Right, <laughs> you don't have that with the U. Wii U. You play, you plug in, you hand them your your front end controller, and you have fun. Mm-hmm. So and, and I think I think it's really interesting that they uh, they took that that route and um, like you said Iwata was like a, a big proponent of that mm-hmm. the fact that they focused on the gameplay and mm-hmm. what what makes the game fun is the biggest selling point whereas these other companies have focused on spec wars and what's the fastest processor I can put in here what's the best GPU I can put in here how much memory can I fit in here to make the games look as pretty as they can to kind of hide some of the kind of the shortcomings of the game and like the Wii U doesn't have that Nintendo doesn't have that and I feel like a lot of that came from 
um, Mr. Iwata and his in his vision for the company. And that's and that's an awesome thing. That's a completely awesome thing, and we appreciate that. He we he will be missed in the video game space. Um, he'll be missed for a company that really put a lot of stock in him and really sh- showed kind of an outpouring of sympathy for him, his family mm-hmm. after after he passed, and he passed on July twelfth. Um, like I said, he was he was fifty five. Like he had many years left Young in him. Dude. Young yeah. dude, young dude, still still pushing hard. And um, so all con- condolences from the virtual dopeness community out to Nintendo and the Iwata family. Um, he was present since two thousand two, so he definitely will be missed. Um, despite my terrible joke, but uh. So that <laughs> So alright guys, that will end our tech segment for this week. We got some really cool stuff coming up in the the uh next couple weeks uh planned out and we're gonna get them to you in a timely fashion. Uh uh welcome back once again, HR Paper Stacks. Thank you, thank you. And, and I will see you guys on the on a quick outro. And uh see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. And ladies and gentlemen, that does it for episode nine of the Virtual Dopeness Podcast. I appreciate y'all. We love y'all for listening. We love y'all for staying with us. This is PJ Alex signing off for me and HR Paper Stacks. My voice is a little hoarse because I just got in from a really dope performance. Uh, A show put together by Mercury Jackson and the 54, which has special guests of Kalechi and Jonathan Singletary and Roman Gian Arthur. Look, man, when I tell y'all dope people doing dope things are the reason we do this. Uh, we love y'all. We want to hear y'all responses. More about this show coming up. The show, I got some pictures. I got some video. They're going to be on our Instagram. Uh, Instagram at Virtual Dopeness. Twitter at Virtual Dopeness. Uh, Facebook slash Virtual Dopeness. VirtualDopeness.com. It's all out there. Get at us. VirtualDopeness at gmail.com. We appreciate y'all listening. And if you are doing something that you believe is dope, let us know. We want to, we're here for y'all. And honestly, if you're doing dope things, that's what all this is about. Dope people doing dope things. I got words of encouragement tonight that that pushed me out, out of a dark place to say, let's keep pushing and let's keep doing cool things. So, those are my words of encouragement for tonight. We hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. More to come. HR Paper Stacks is back. Let's get some other people involved. And we appreciate y'all. And as always, be virtual and live dope.